sleepy side but uh you know what uh nothing uh soothes the soul like sinking into a, you know sinking into the, my chair and talking a little voyager how about you i'm doing pretty good um ready to talk about emanations so uh why don't we go start by uh you uh going back to my recall of this episode and uh see how i did yeah, so if you listened to it last week, I was super duper sad because I actually knew this one like uh, line by line, uh, you know, scene by scene. I would have totally hit a grand slam with it, but um, that's just not the way that the show works, is it? You Luck get the draw. one that you picked. Um, draw, yes. So you picked that emanation, and actually, uh, to your credit, you pretty much, yeah, you had this one, right? You knew pretty much all the main bits, and. Um, you said you hadn't seen it in a while, but again, that we've had this the last couple of times, actually, like emanations. Like, I feel like that could have been almost any series, could have been anything, but you remembered that this is the one where Harry uh, gets sent to the next emanation, which was good on you. So um, out of five silky body coverings, I'm going to give you five out of five. That's back to back. I'm setting the bar pretty high. I know. I, I feel like I'm never going to catch up, but hey, I guess if you know it, you know it, right? Well, as soon as those animated series start coming out, then you'll, you'll have your chance to catch up. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about Emanations, which is uh, from Star Trek Voyager, uh, Season 1, Episode 9. So this is a pretty early, pretty early ep- uh, episode of the Voyager run. Uh, the original air date was March 13th, 1995. It guest starred Jerry Hardin as Neria, Jeffrey Allen Chandler as Hatil, Cecile Callan as Patera, Martha Hackett as Seska, and Robin Groves as Loria. It was written by Brandon Braga and directed by David Livingston. So a couple of uh, pretty prolific Star Trek uh writers and directors there yeah well it's early on right it's early voyagers so you've got uh got a big heavy hitters kind of they're going with the guys who know what they're doing because mm-hmm. remember this was a upn show right so they had and that's i think voyager even the first season's a little short it really was I think yeah it's a little bit uh 17 episodes, yeah. yeah and i think it was because it was a trial run they were pretty much starting a network based on um on star trek voyager i mean yeah. starting a network on having one show nobody would ever do that would they matt never never <laughs> what about like an online uh app and have like one really big show would that be a good idea about it yeah uh i'm not so sure <laughs> anyways uh quick synopsis of this episode 
Voyager detects a new chemical element from asteroids in a planet's ring system. They send an away team to investigate, and they find several dead bodies wrapped in a strange material, which they later find out is the new chemical element. Chakotay believes they have entered an alien burial ground and that they should use only their eyes to learn what they can. While they investigate, a subspace vacuole forms, disrupting the transporter when they try to escape. Seska is able to get Chakotay and Torres in an alien body, but not Ensign Kim. He wakes up inside a casket on an alien planet. The aliens believe that Kim is from the next emanation, their afterlife, where Andrew was hanging out today. Meanwhile, the Doctor is able to revive the alien that they accidentally beamed up from the asteroid, but she freaks out upon discovering that she has not arrived in the afterlife. Kim is questioned at length on the alien planet and befriends Hatil, an alien who is planning to move on to the next emanation after an accident has left him crippled. On Voyager, the subspace vacuoles keep forming on the ship, and det Torres determines that the warp core is attracting them, prompting Voyager to leave the system. Hatil has second thoughts about going through with the transference ritual, which will send him to the next emanation. After some aliens tell Kim that they want to move him to another facility to study him more, he convinces Hatil to let him take his place in the transference ritual in an attempt to get back to Voyager. Torres is able to protect the ship from damage caused by the subspace vacuoles, and Voyager returns to the planet to look for Ensign Kim. He is returned to Voyager dead, but the Doctor is luckily able to revive him. <laughs> Janeway then gives Kim two days off to reflect on his near-death experience. Mm, that sounds like my job. Oh, you died yesterday? Okay, take like a day or two, you know, and get <laughs> yeah. back to it. Well, hey, if you... Uh, if you die or, or almost die, I think you need some time off. Yeah, I wonder if that's like in the employee handbook. If you accidentally <laughs> die and are revived, you get two days off. Starfleet Regulation 372-5. Yeah, they need a better union on Voyager, maybe. Maybe. So uh, we're each going to give just a quick uh, impression of the episode, what we thought about it. Uh, Andrew, why don't you go ahead? Uh, so I actually have a little bit of bad news. Um, I mentioned last week that uh, I had recently just watched this. My wife had never seen Voyager, so we're kind of going through, and we're just at the very beginning stages. We're only uh, a couple episodes past this one, actually. Um, and when I first watched it, I I really thought, oh, I liked it. It was pretty good. Like, we were just kind of watching it casually and eating dinner and everything like that. Um, and then we pulled it, so I thought, ah, you know, I better watch it again with, like, the RTR goggles on. Um, you know, pick up at your local uh, Toys R Us. Uh, and the second time through, I, I just didn't like it quite as much. Um, and maybe that's like just what happens when you watch episode back-to-back -back type thing, but I started to kind of see some things in it that I didn't really love as much. Uh, overall, I thought it was pretty good. I guess if I'm going to go with my first impression, um, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's interesting. It definitely brings up some interesting death scenes and stuff like that. Um, I definitely saw this one back when I was in college as well, but again, I don't really remember. I think it was just kind of like, again, eating dinner, watching it, never had really much thought on it. What about you? Uh, I thought it was a decent, uh, like, early Voyager episode. It kind of explores, you know, themes about death and the afterlife, which is kind of, it's always kind of an interesting uh, thing to kind of explore. So It's I, a lot to bite off. That's true, right. yep, yep. But I, I thought it was overall pretty a pretty good episode. There's not really a whole lot of 
background or development uh, info that we could really dig up. Um, I, really, I guess Brennan Braga like really wanted to do an episode that dealt with sort of death, the theme, and maybe sort of exploring afterlife. But he really had a kind of a difficult time bringing it together. It seems like he'd been kicking this around even back in the TNG days and just never kind of worked. And then um, it kind of got pulled out here. And for me personally, anyway, I think it's kind of like, isn't this a little early in Voyager to be like dusting off old TNG scripts and trying to like make them work? Um, Maybe, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, it just seemed to me, again, just watching the beginning of Voyager, it's such a great concept, right? Like, oh, you're lost. You're off in this faraway thing. And this is what we get. Like, this is kind of like you're meeting up with some random alien, which believe in an afterlife. Yeah, that's that's what we got. Like, and this is episode nine. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I would just like to hit the ground running a little bit more. Um, and basically everything I read about it was just like, yeah, we couldn't get it to work. The script was didn't make any sense, and then they did rewrites, and they thought it was going to be like this great thing, and then it didn't really work. And then like Garrett Wang was like, oh, I was so excited when I got the script. I thought it was going to be amazing. And then like at conferences and stuff, he's been like. Yeah, that one really didn't really work out that well. So like, I feel like it was like the like the big idea, and it just didn't really land. It just didn't quite execute. Which I mean, there's honor in that, right? Like, I mean, sometimes you have to go for the the home run, and sometimes you just end up popping out, right? But yeah. they went for it, and I just don't know if it necessarily ended up being everything they wanted it to be. Yeah, I I, I don't think. Yeah, I think if maybe he. It's funny, there was a little, I read a little thing where he thought he, like, wrote this, like, really great script, and then everyone was like, well, no, you should probably change this, and he got a lot of, like, feedback of, you know, things that he should change, so, I mean, maybe that's a sign that, oh, maybe I'm not quite ready to pull this one off. Right, and, and maybe this is it, right? Like, I think it's one of those things where how do you know that you've got, like, the next inner light, or how do you know that you have, like you know, the next duet or some classic until yeah. he kind of put it out there, right? And I think this is like, he maybe thought that he had this amazing classic. Eh, it's okay. It's not quite in classic territory. It is not in classic territory. Not to spoil my rating later. This is, this is no <laughs> five star. Let's just put it that way. Fair enough. Yeah, there was also a little bit of conflict between him and Michael Piller as far as like, what sort of direction to go michael pillar wanted a lot of like active conflict and i think that kind of shows through in the episode whereas uh brennan braga wanted to be a little more philosophical and so i guess that also kind of shaped how the episode turned out in the end yeah and i guess like again anything that's going to be like early of any of the series let's say they're still finding figuring it out right so i mean you have to give them a little bit of grace Let's dive right into this one and uh, talk about what happens uh, in the teaser. So, as I mentioned in the synopsis, they discovered a new element, uh, which in the captain's log, she indicated that it was element number 247. Mm -hmm. New to the Federation. Yes. So, the Federation currently has 246 on their periodic table, and this could potentially be number 247. And then it is, which is kind of cool. That's a lot of elements. It is, especially since at uh, current date in 2018, we're at 118, and last year that 
was we actually added to the periodic table. Um, and at back in the mid '90s, they were only at 111. So that's a lot of elements that they found. But I guess it makes sense as you're like going and traveling around space, meeting all these yeah. new species. They have all this new stuff, right? So um, yeah, that's a really kind of an interesting, cool thing. And that's what I wanted from Voyager. Oh, a new element. Oh, a new species. Oh, a new that. Like stuff that you didn't see from uh, previous. Like, right, this is not Alpha Quadrant. It's not Beta Quadrant. Now we're way out. We're yeah. way out there. We're going to be That's finding true. new stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was kind of... I'm not really a chemistry expert, so I may not have picked up on that, or, like, right off the bat. But knowing that, yeah, there's, like, 100 elements... Uh, yeah. you know ahead in the next couple hundred years like that's that's, that's pretty cool mm -hmm. and that like again it kind of fits with the psycho babble or sorry not the psycho babble the techno babbly stuff right if you have new elements they could potentially do new things so then like when you're doing all this kind of crazy extravagant stuff it kind of like you can make that fit with your brain right yeah like, we got new elements we got new resources we got new tech and it makes sense right yeah then they beam down and they find a bunch of dead bodies um what would what, you like it's a pretty short teaser. Um, I mean, did you think, how did this sort of affect you when you saw it? Well, I have to admit, I thought it was going to be spiders. I don't know why. Like, there's that, remember the episode of Next Generation where, uh, where Barclay, like, turns into a giant spider? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, I just couldn't get that out of my brain. Because, like, the way that they're all wrapped up, and they're like, oh, it's like a silky, like, uh, material that's, kind of, you know, um, I thought, oh, it's going to be a big spider. I just know it. It's going to be a big spider. It's going to be a big spider. Um, like and it's not. Like Shelob from Lord of the Rings? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something like that. Or some sort of monster. But um, that was kind of... I couldn't get that out of my head. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was... Um, I was kind of thinking maybe some sort of... Like when they're walking through the like the cave and there's all those cobwebs mm -hmm. around them, that was sort of also suggested that there might be some like crazy like alien waiting for them. And then... It turns out to be a bunch of dead bodies, and it was kind of a sort of ominous, foreboding way to sort of end the teaser. So I, I was like, oh, I wonder what, you know, I, I think probably the first time I watched it, I was kind of like, oh, what's going to happen next? Like, what are all these yeah. dead bodies doing? Which is what you want from your teaser, right? Yeah. Then we jump into Act 1, and they're, you know, the, the, the way team is sort of standing, and there's all these dead bodies around them, and they're trying to figure out, well, what's going on here, and... You know why? What's how did they get here? Why are they here? And and of course, and this is where we sort of begin to see kind of a, you know, Chakotay's um, sort of sensitivity towards alien cultures and other you know ritualistic, ritualistic, cultures or whatever, right? Yeah, and I like that. I I think that that's a good use of the fact that he's like Native American and he's like very quick to be like, yep. You know, look at this, look at that. They don't have possessions. Do, 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 do. Like that, that is a good use of Chakotay, right? Yeah, Torres just sort of looks at it and, like, for whatever, a minute, and she's like, well, I think I've learned all I can. And he's like, oh, really? Have you now? And then he sort of gives her the whole, you know, like you said, there's no possessions and the way their arms are positioned. And he sort of, you know, is able to, it's, it's like the anthropologist comes out. Right. And I thought that was actually really cool. Yeah. And I, I like that, again, um, Bellana's very kind of almost bullheaded, a little stubborn, right? Like she's she doesn't really kind of care about this stuff, right? Like she's more interested in the chemistry, she's more interested in the science, and I, I like that there's a little bit of tension there. I think that was good. 
Yeah, yeah, it shows sort of the contrast between uh, Chicote and, and Torres for sure. So as they're then they're sort of you know in the middle of investigating and this this like big portal subspace vacuole thing opens up and they're like uh, and you know there's trouble with the transporter and they 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 get everyone except Kim back aboard and they also accidentally beam aboard a, a, one of the dead bodies and. Um, what 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 do you think of this part? Um, again, it wasn't where I thought it was gonna go. Like when I first watched it, anyway. Um, I thought that there was gonna be I don't know for some reason I always have it in my mind that there's gonna be like a mummy or a zombie or a monster or something like you that. Watch too many horror. I think movies. I do watch too many horror <laughs> movies because I always have that in the back of my brain. And then it's the opposite, right? So it's going to be actually just about, like, no, they're actually, this is just a graveyard, basically. And so now Harry's been sucked away and, you know, hit the commercial, and we'll see what happens on the other side. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I I just kind of thought it was that. Again, I think that it's, that first act is just kind of setting the the placeholders, and, and I'm engaged at this point. I'm still with it. Yeah, it's kind of a it's a bit of suspense when you you know it ends with you know the away team materializing and Kim's not there and there's a dead body and it's like oh no what happened to him where is he where did he go and yeah so it, and you know of... it's interesting because like you know if, if transporters actually existed are you going to be using it like this is the how many like this has already come up a couple of times randomly <laughs> that this it was an episode where the transporter ends up becoming a huge problem right right. So that brings us into Act Two, and um, right at the beginning, there there's like the these aliens known as the Venari, and they're having this big burial thing, and all of a sudden, someone starts knocking from the inside yeah, that of was the, funny, the casket, right? And Harry learns that he's been whisked away to this alien planet, and you know he learns about, and they think that he's come back from the afterlife, and yeah, it was sort of kind of an interesting thing where they're like. You know, you're you're from the afterlife, and they want to. They're asking like a bazillion questions and trying to figure out like how he got there and all, and learn all that they can from about their afterlife. So that, that was kind of a, a interesting sort of thing that happened to him. Um. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I, I'm still kind of with it here. Like, I, I this is kind of interesting, right? You get sucked through, and rather than just showing up at like another asteroid or another place, like you actually end up in like a box like you're you're trapped in a thing and then you open it up and there's all these people um which um i think the best part about the second act is it kind of does both things in reverse because the other body on voyager they are able to revive it and she thinks that she's in the next emanation yeah i thought there was a nice little kind of you know like you kind of see both sides of it exactly yeah you see both you know you see, like, what happens when something happens to the, you know, this woman, this alien woman that was, you know, she wakes up and she's like, this isn't right, I'm not, you know, my brother's supposed to be here and right. all this other stuff. And she, like, just freaks right out. I think they have to sedate her, like, she was just, like, going so She's lost it, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and then sort of the opposite happens. Kim wakes up and all these aliens are like, well, what are you doing here? You're not, you know, you're from the afterlife. And they're all, you know. Yeah, it's kind of actually interesting. That they, did, were you expecting that uh, you know Kim was going to be seen as kind of some sort of like Messiah or you know like some sort of god or something because he's the first one to come back? But they actually never really play on that. It's just kind of like, oh, 
you came back. What's it like? Oh, and then he, they kind of are disheartened to hear that it doesn't actually anything special. But yeah, I thought it was, yeah, I, I was kind of expecting that maybe they would sort of like put him up on a bit of a pedestal, but they really were sort of kind of scientific about it almost and how they, like, they were like, oh, well, he's from the next emanation. Let's find out all we can about it. Rather than like, oh, he's from the ex- next emanation. He must be something. Yeah, they all just fall and start bowing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, though, because like as much as they were interested to hear about it, like they, they didn't even really know how like the machine worked or like where he went. Like they even mentioned at one point that like it's actually like they were just given those machines from like their forefathers or something, but they don't even really get how it works. So like they're more of a spiritual race than a tech race. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Yeah, which again, at this point of it, it's it's still interesting for sure. Yeah, then we get into um, the third act, and and Harry's sort of learning a bit more about their culture, their beliefs in the afterlife, and he um, he starts getting to talk to this guy that's sort of in the next like room next to him, um, Hakil, who is sort of in the process of getting ready to move on to the next emanation. And uh, it was kind of interesting to see how Harry impacted these these aliens. He definitely threw a wrench into the plan, right? Because up until then, people were just pretty widely just being like, yeah, I'm useless. Like, just kill me. I'm going to go off to, like, heaven or whatever. Um, and then when they see that there's, like, you know, somebody else that's, like, not living that same kind of culture... Um, they are kind of like, ooh, maybe this isn't the best idea. Um, it actually went so far that, do you think that this is a culture that even has like warp drive capability? Um, that's a good question. Because I thought not, based on their reaction to him. Yeah, I, you know, I, I never really thought of that, but you, I think that you're probably right that they are this very, I, I don't want to say, like they're, they're not the most technically technologically advanced uh civilization that we that they've encountered on star trek right because it's kind of an accident right like they didn't go seeking them out like i kind of felt like they were maybe pre-warp and they hadn't really seen any other species so then to hear that there is another species it would be like not that different from like if another species showed up here would religious people like start to go ooh, maybe you know like yeah. maybe things aren't like what they seem and i felt like they did a good job where like they're not completely giving up on their faith but they're just kind of like raising an eyebrow like mm, maybe we need to like hold off on the whole death ceremony for the time being yeah yeah it, it sort of maybe gave them pause to consider what they're actually doing yeah now the alien woman uh, by the name of Patera, she they sort of revived her again or, or brought her around again and she was a little more calm and a little more uh, open to you know what was happening to her where she was and all that and she had a the, she and Janeway had a nice long chat about about things yeah I think that it's interesting because I don't think that she is typical of um, the the community that she came from she seems like a lot more interested in trying to get a bigger knowledge of the the, the universe and stuff like that and it's almost written there played like they convinced her to go to the next emanation because then she can see her brother and she can learn all these things and it's going to be so great like i think that she was kind of sold on it as like this is gonna like open up your eyes to like a whole new thing 
And so then she kind of gets that because now she's like on a starship and there's all these people and stuff like that. And she's really like, you know, sinking her teeth into it. Didn't she also have like some terminal illness as well? Yeah. And I, I think it was like, it was terminal to them, but it was like not yeah. really a big deal to, um, to the, doctor. the doctor. But I think that was actually like a whoopsies because later on the machine is supposed to like euthanize you. Yeah. So then it didn't really matter if you had a terminal illness or not. I guess it does because then that would mean that you, why she's so young and everything like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, again, this is where it starts to, this is where it starts to kind of come undone for me a little bit. Um, what about you? Are you still engaged at this point or are you starting to? Uh, I would say, that I don't think it was starting to fall apart at this point for me. I still thought it was, I, I was still pretty engaged. I still thought it was kind of a fascinating thing. Like, you know, are, are, you know, are they going to be able to get Harry back? Like, I mean, I guess that's sort of the thing that sort of keeps, you, you know, keeps, it, it's still in the back of your head. Right. You know, throughout this, even though, you know, maybe it's kind of falls apart for you a little bit. I guess the thing that was I was finding interesting was, like, I was still kind of kicking around the idea that maybe, like, the planet wasn't that far away. And that they could maybe, like, go and meet up with this species and, um, like, just pick Harry up. Like, if they could figure out how to, to do that. Um, but they actually never do find out, like, where this is. This could be literally anywhere in the galaxy, the it's universe. True. could yeah. be in an alternate universe. Like, they, they leave that completely blank, right? Like it could be the mirror universe. It, who, exactly. Like, they're not super <laughs> angry or anything. And they don't have goatees. But it could be, right? It could be anywhere. Um, and so, I mean, that part of it is still kind of pushing the episode forward for me anyway. Yeah. Well, and then, then bodies start showing up on Voyager, and I guess that sort of adds to, like, the mystery of, like, oh, what, what, what's happening here? Why are the bodies being... And the tension, right? Because they yeah. keep, they mention that, like, uh, if it gets, like, in the, if they, like, one shows up in the wrong place, it could mess something up, could affect the ship, right? Like, yeah. there is a little bit added danger, and this is kind of, like, a pretty common Star Trek thing, like, Got to keep that tension just dialed up that little bit extra. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, Andrew here, and I just wanted to say thanks for listening to Random Trek Review. Uh, if you want to get some more Star Trek goodness, then make sure to check out the RTR blog at randomtrekreview.blogspot.com. You can also find us on social media, iTunes by searching for Random Trek Review. Twitter for, by searching at Rando Trek Review and Instagram at Random Trek Review. Or if you just want to use the old style way of emailing questions, comments, or just gripes in general, then feel free to drop us a line at randomtrekreview at gmail.com. Now that everything's set up, we get into Act 4, where things sort of get a lot more interesting. Um, Harry's presence in this, I, I guess it was like a hospital. Kind of. It's almost like a more. Is it like a morgue or like a funeral home, maybe? Yeah, it was kind of ambiguous, I guess, what it actually was. It was sort of like half hospital, half funeral home. Retirement kind of. home? Like, you kind of go there yeah. to kind of finish up your last couple of days, right? Yeah, anyway. Harry's in this place, and he's kind of causing problems because he's talking to this guy, Hatil, and his wife. And he's sort of having second thoughts, and his wife is like, all over him because she's like you know wants him to go through with it and all this and he's you know do it for your family do it for you know to go you know for yourself so you can see 
other people that have moved on and all this and that. And he's really he's really conflicted at this point, I think. I, I think that that was really sad, actually. I mean, this is not an episode that, like, moved me to tears or anything. But when he's having second thoughts and his wife's like, oh, like, do it for sure. Like, remember, you're a burden. Like, remember, you wanted to see your dad. Like, it just really made it feel like this guy has like nobody that's really pulling for him which is i guess is why like it makes us like harry a little bit more um especially when like they they have like a family meeting or they mention they have like a family meeting and like at the meeting they're like yeah this guy's useless like he's just and like he has like a limp <laughs> that's the worst of it right like yeah. he could we could get him a wheelchair or some crutches uh moby or something but nah like let's just have him kill himself oh that's that's gonna be a way better solution like it seemed like there was almost gonna be like something underhanded about it like he had a bunch of money or he was gonna end up uh you know they were gonna benefit from it somehow and i i just think that that was probably the the saddest bit was when they were kind of talking to him about it yeah that was definitely a little um that was that was a tough one to look at because yeah like you know he's it looked like he had some sort of like prosthetic like hip or mm -hmm. like leg or something. Yeah, and they mentioned he had an accident. Of yeah, some they, sort. yeah, they mentioned he had an accident, and, and he was, you know, he was, he was, you know, he had, he had his family had to help look after him and all that. And yeah, that was kind of a sad little bit where he's like, "Oh, I'm such a burden to them. I should just move on." And it's like, well, no, you don't really have to. Yeah, they maybe should have made him a little bit older because this definitely had the feel of like grandpa's got to go to the home kind of, you yeah. know, like that whole thing. You know, the Simpsons, like, uh, you know, be quiet or we'll put you in the home. You already put me in the home. <laughs> they'll put you in the home crooked one we saw in 60 minutes. <laughs> It'll be good. <laughs> um, like it had that feel, you yeah, know, like yeah. it definitely did. But this guy's like pretty young. Like, yeah, I, I he's think a little that... young to be, you know, throwing him to the next emanation and think. the people that run the hospital let's call it are like none too happy i mean they're not they're like more than happy to be like oh you want to go to the next emanation sure jump in like we love doing it yep here's the here's the chamber right like it, it's jump our in. it's our favorite thing to do is to pull yeah. the switch so yeah that was that was, that was kind of a tough scene to, to stomach um, almost as tough as when uh, Bellana comes up with this ingenious plan to send Patera back to her planet and also that they'll be able to find Ensign Kim. And um, so she's like, yeah, just take this this like homing device or whatever it was and we'll, we'll beam you through one of these subspace vacuoles and you'll end up right back where you were. And it um, completely backfired. Mm -hmm. Patera ends up... Uh, wrapped up in her own uh what was it like pro like a result of yeah like a, bi a biopolymer they call it like i guess yeah. when they die they kind of excrete this biopolymer stuff yeah she ends up back on the transporter pad wrapped in her own polymers or whatever and this time she's dead dead yeah the doctor did not revive her this time yeah and it's it's yeah like again this is one of those things where um you know Bellana has this brilliant plan this doesn't happen a ton on star trek and it's just like oops killed her yeah that was that was it like game over for well her. And it was so sudden too like it looked like it was going fine then all of a sudden it's like boom the, the, the pattern's gone or whatever right. right and it's yeah that was pretty and i mean I, other than Cass, they're kind of just like oops that didn't work but <laughs> Cass 
kind of goes and says, like, I hope that she made it to the next animation, yeah. which was kind of nice, because Kes is, like, the spiritual person on the ship, right? I guess her and Chakotay yeah. would be yeah. the two biggest ones, so I thought that that was kind of an, of a nice scene, um, but, yeah, interesting. Interesting kind of, like, they could have easily just sent her back alive, but that would probably make it so that the whole culture would then maybe completely fall apart right like yeah. if they had sent her back but that was the plan i don't even know if that is that even meet the requirements of the prime directive like if somebody's entire culture is like when you die you go off to the next emanation you're gonna send them back and just completely yeah i guess they just had to get ensign king back well he is important let's That's be honest true. Then the, uh, the, 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 the tension sort of builds a little bit because uh, these the subspace vacuoles that were like appearing on the ship, they start depositing bodies like even you know, sort of closer to the, the engine core and they're, they're like, this isn't good. If, you know, if, a, if one of these bodies gets deposited in the wrong place, it's going to blow up the ship. And, mm -hmm. and so they've got a whole other little problem that they have to deal with. True, and they've got all these bodies, of course, piling up. and um, They do mention, actually, at a point that Bellanas have kind of like found a way to like protect the warp core, but it's only gonna last like a little while, yeah. right? Um, and then I guess as it swings into Act Five, like they're also like gonna start doing some more like tests on Harry. They want to move him out of that area and maybe like quietly remove him type thing, right? Yeah. So um, I guess this is I guess the the, the big climax. Um, what do you think of Harry's plan? Could you do it yourself is a better question. Well, if I had confidence in a holographic doctor to uh, bring me back to life, <laughs> I might be uh, willing to uh, pull the plug on my own uh, existence for a few minutes. Uh, yeah, I mean, how else is he going to get back? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. That is, that is a tough, tough thing. Um, he figures out that the way that the th machine works, it just euthanizes you, right? And then you yep. slip through this this portal type thing. Um, and so his plan is that he's just going to die, go through the portal, hopefully Voyager's hanging around yep. to check on the bodies coming through. They'll notice it's him. They'll get him to the doctor, the medical bay. They'll revive him. And, like, this plan is, like, way too risky. It's a pretty risky plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean... like too risky. I, I don't think I'm doing that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Like, I mean, I mean, you have to weigh out the options of you could live on this planet with these people and, you know, live out the rest of your days, you know, maybe uh, get yourself a Venori wife or something, or you can kill yourself in the hopes that this elaborate, like, system of things will happen so that you can get back on the ship that's 75 years away from, like, your house. Ah, I don't know. I And this is something that comes up in Voyager a lot, I feel like. Um, you know, would you just be better off just to find a planet to park yourself down and you know, start up a little federation colony in the Delta Quadrant? Or is it like, you know, is it worth to kind of keep pushing and pushing and pushing to get back home? And I, in this case, I think that this was a bad idea on his part. They're just way too adventurous. I mean, you remember yeah. that, the episode with the 37s where they there's all those humans that have been living on this planet for like, like hundreds of years and they have this big city and they're like, hey, if you guys want to stick around, like, Come yeah, on, that's come true. On there is and like Janeway and Chakotay are walking to the cargo bay and they're like, Yeah, I bet 
Baxter's gonna stay. He's the adventurous type and all this. And I'm walking. There's nobody there. Yeah, that's they just, true. They just wanted to get home so they want to get home. And actually, that's true. There's lots of species that are like stay. There's actually an episode relatively um, close to this one where they find that species that's like so hospitable. They're like, stay, come on, you know you want to. Yeah, and they never did. No, they never did. They never did. But, uh, you know, his plan works, and the doctor's able to uh, revive him. And, and, I mean, technically, I guess he was dead for five minutes or so. And um, Janeway has an interesting little uh, heart-to-heart with him at the very end where she's like, you know, take time off to, to reflect, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and Oh uh, yeah, I actually I really like that a lot. Actually, that whole that whole speech is um, very Star Trekky, even if it's like maybe a little bit too, maybe a little bit too well con- like well constructed. I don't even know what the exact wording is. Like, um, there's lots of good little pieces, but it's not like distilled down. Like, I feel yeah. like they could have taken that speech and distilled it down just a little tiny bit and made it really pack a punch, but, like, nobody's going to... You're not going to see that quote on, like, a bumper sticker. Like, it's... <laughs> you know. No, probably not. Like, there's that... Um, there's the Captain Picard quote from Inner Light where he goes, um, uh, what is it? Uh, you know, live now. Make now the most important time because now will never come again. Like, you know, that, that famous yep. quote? Um, yeah. Like, that's... That's like you could put that on your, you know, bumper sticker and like, yeah, like you know, it's a nice, hard hitting, impactful thing. I feel like they were going for this, but it kind of gets on, like, it kind of goes on and on a little bit. Yeah, that it was. It probably could have been a little better, but I think the sort of the, the intention was uh, was was good. Yeah, definitely, that's true. They just they just didn't quite pull it off the way I think they were maybe hoping. Let's uh, take a quick look at uh, a couple of the guest stars in this episode. There's a bit of uh, maybe trivia-ish type stuff we can uh, quickly uh, go over. Uh, Jerry Hardin, who played the doctor uh, on the alien doctor on Venari, uh, you may also recognize him as, um, for me it was more his voice that I recognized than Mm -hmm. an actual, because he looks very different in his other major role on Star Trek. Um, he played the cackling uh, Samuel Clemens uh, in Time Zero. Yeah, it's a great two-parter, right? Great TNG two-parter. Yeah, it was. It's it's very good. Yeah. Voyager always does have very good prosthetics and faces and stuff. Like they have it down pat. Like I think they tried. They made it especially because they were so far away that the a lot of the makeup and stuff like that is like really, um, like detailed and out there. Which I, I get again. These ones aren't great, but they're. I thought they looked kind of cool. Um, he's actually a phantologist, uh, and a phantologist is what? Or what do they study, Matt? Death. Oh, good, good point. Uh, I gotta think up some tougher trivia for you, maybe, um, so that I can. Uh, well, didn't you mention that? I think they met, that was mentioned in the episode. Oh, did they mention it? Yes. Uh, maybe, maybe they did. Yeah, maybe they did. Uh, anyway, good, good memory. Uh, who else do we have? So Martha Hackett uh, plays Seska, and Seska comes up uh, quite a bit in the first couple of uh, seasons of Voyager. Yeah, I would say that she's a secondary character, right? Yeah, yep. Um, unfortunately, she meets her untimely demise uh, at the beginning of the third 
third season? Like the first episode? Um, yes. And part of Basics? She does die, doesn't she? Yeah. Well, remember, she kind of, she's actually not, um, she's not who she thinks they are. She's actually a Cardassian. Yeah. And that whole thing. And then she ends up working with the Kazon and stuff like that. And then she eventually gets her comeuppance. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think she's good. Um, I think that, uh, I'm always kind of like those like minor secondary characters that are kind of hanging around in the background. Um, but yeah, I don't have much to say about her here. She couldn't get Kim with the toggles. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Seska was always kind of a, like, she didn't really seem like much at the beginning, but they did. I thought they did an intern, like they really made her into a pretty important character. Yeah, this is kind of like a nice a nice example of uh, when they have a character who's just kind of like in the background and like remember at the very beginning she was kind of like Maki or uh, Starfleet like she was kind of off the fence and it was kind of like just a, a slow burn and then she ends up becoming a bigger character later which was nice. Yeah. yeah. Now Martha Hackett also played uh, Sub Commander Teruel on Deep Space Nine the two part episode The Search. Another classic. Yeah. Yeah. She was the she was the Romulan in charge of the cloaking device on the Defiant. Yeah, I always kind of I, I know it would have been hard, but I wish they had kept that going. Because remember they, yeah. they had that special agreement that they could use the cloaking device, but the Romulan was gonna be there to work on it and then they just kinda of just dropped it and that was kind yeah. of too bad. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a strange thing that she was there for their like maiden voyage and then just like disappeared. It was an, it was gonna add a nice dynamic, but I think they realized like this is just gonna be too hard to write in, or like it's gonna be too hard to get her every time we want a cloak. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think that's what it was? Most likely, yes. Now she also played uh, a character in the final episode of the Next Generation that was cut. Because, too bad for her. Yeah. Yeah, all good things. That's another classic two-parter. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, Martha Hackett just has a knack for classic two-part episodes, I guess. I suppose so. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of interesting production um, things that we could talk about. There was one uh, scene that I read about that was cut um, because it was going to be really expensive to do. But uh, the scene was going to show Kim's point of view after he was killed in the alien chamber. So, like, like, like his sort of when he dies, what it looks like. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> that that is so lucky that that got cut, and it's for budget constraints. Like, you know what? I'm not offended by you know whatever religion or what people believe or what have you. I even feel like throughout this episode, it's kind of tough to talk about like afterlives and deaths and things like that because so many people have so many different thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, filming a scene where somebody is like experiencing death is such a bad idea. Um, that would have just been awful and I think people would have just panned it. Like, do you remember um, the episode where like the snakes got into the war, the war or the uh, transporter? So like Barclay is like transporting and he sees like a worm and and you get yeah. to see what it looks like to be in a transporter beam. Like remember how bad that was? This would have yeah. been like that level of bad. Like way worse though. <laughs> because it's like actually a real thing that happens to real people. So yeah, I, I'm very I don't know what you can say what you want to say, but like I'm so glad that, that didn't happen. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it may have been interesting to see what they come up with. I mean, obviously he had something in mind when they sort of wrote that scene, but I guess we'll never know. I guess, and you know what, maybe for the better. <laughs> a few sort of memorable scenes or lines. Um, I mean, do you have a favorite from this episode? I mean, there wasn't really a lot of uh, liners, but it, there were some interesting moments in the scene. So, um... I mean, I, I'm no Kate Mulgrew, but um, in her big speech, I'm just going to read a chunk of it. Uh, I just want to give you a chance to reflect on what happened. This may not make much sense to you now, a young man at the beginning of his career, but one of the things that you'll learn as you move up to the ranks as you get a little older is that you'll wish that you had more time in your youth to really absorb all of the things that happened to you. It goes by so fast. And it's so easy to become jaded, to treat the extraordinary like an, another day at the office. And I, I don't want to take the whole thing, so I will just take that. Um, you'll wish that you had more time in your youth to really absorb things that happened. Because um, I think that that is actually just true. Um, yeah. I think that as people kind of go through life, you always hear, oh, life is so short. Oh, man, like they grow up so quickly. Oh, everything happens so quickly. Um, and one of the things that I've read is, is that if you... Um, kind of just get stuck in routine that tends to make it feel like things are going by faster than if you do unique and interesting things. And I wonder, like somebody who's working on a starship where you're meeting like new species, new aliens, all these different things, if it maybe does just become kind of like, oh, well, whatever, another day, oh, I died yesterday, and tomorrow I'm going to have like my soul transferred into another person. Like if you think about all the crazy <laughs> things that happen on Star Trek, um, I could see it just kind of blowing by in a, in a instant and then feeling as if you had spent some more time um, kind of living with that. And I actually think that even in Star Trek, the show, uh, even the people watching it feel like sometimes that they would rather see some of these lingering effects within characters. And that's kind of what we're seeing now with like Discovery and uh, Deep Space Nine and stuff where stuff happens and it's not just forgotten about the next day. They It lingers, which I think, um, you know, kind of speaks to that quote they don't just hit the reset button mm -hmm. i i really liked um the doctor had a really good line i thought um when he was sort of explaining the the biopolymer that they were sort of uh they, they found mm -hmm. he uh i mean in the classic like early doctor uh manner he, uh, he drops this line uh, when he's, he explains to them that it's like an, an excretion from their decomposition process. And he goes, in essence, you were strolling through dead bodies. And then he sort of like has that little like sort of half smirk after that. Like he's trying yeah. to make a joke and it just comes out like totally wrong and they're all totally creeped out by it. Yeah, I mean, the Doctor ends up being one of the best characters on Voyager. Even this early on, yeah, like he's very, uh, very watchable and very... Yeah, like everything that he does is has kind of just a little bit of you know sarcasm or whatever it is, and it really makes it good to watch. Yeah, yeah. I also really like so that when Patera first wakes up in sickbay, there's this this cool like camera angle that they use where it was sort of like her looking up and seeing like the doctor and Janeway like hovering over her. Yeah, it's kind of like the alien abduction camera angle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah, or the next emanation camera. Maybe that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a neat little um, sort of unique way of, um, you know, sort of seeing it from through her eyes as she wakes up and sort of 
sort of the, gives you an idea of like the panic that you might feel if you're like expecting to wake up in the afterlife and you look up and there's like this bald dude and a you know woman hovering mm-hmm. over you, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And she does panic in, in fairness. It's true. <laughs> well, if I woke up and saw the doctor and Captain Janeway, I don't know how I'd feel about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, why don't uh, we sort of get to the end of this and uh, why don't you give us our, your, your final sum up and uh, your rating out of five subspace vacuoles. So I feel like this is actually the first time that I'm kind of hammering on an episode. And I think part of it is because I watched it nearly back to back and just kind of, I think I started to see um, some of the, the holes and things like that. Um, I'm going to base it off my first watch because I don't really think even at the time they, they don't intend, these are maybe not intended to be watched like five times in a row or, you know, watch it on a week, you know, watch it over and over and over and over again. They are making it for a one-time view. And in the first time through, I didn't see a lot of the things that I didn't like about it. So I think that I'm going to give it like a straight down the middle, three out of five uh, subspace vacuoles. How about you? I think... Um, I mean, for an early Voyager episode, I think it's probably one of the better ones. Um, I mean, it's it's tough to do the whole death thing without mm-hmm. it getting really, really on like the sort of almost religious and philosophical side. I, I, and I thought it was kind of an okay look at death in the afterlife and, and what whatnot. Um, I, I think I'm also going to give it uh, three subspace vacuoles out of five. Very good. Well, now that we've uh, talked about emanations for long enough, it is uh, time for us to choose next week's episode. Uh, so I'm going to reach deep into the depths of the bowler hat of episodes here, and I'm going to choose the next episode, and then I'll give you a minute to tell me uh, what you can yeah, I feel like this is probably the most fun part for the uh, for the audience as they try to kind of play along at home and everything else, and they see me squirm and worm myself about. Um, <laughs> but I find it very stressful. I uh, I just want this one to be one that I know because the last couple of weeks I have uh, <laughs> I haven't done the best. I've been showing my casual fandom as you've been crushing each one, so uh, I'm just crossing my fingers. I want something good. Want something good. So all right. Well, I have one here for you, and um, hopefully, it's good. Okay. So we have an episode from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Okay. It is season ten, or sorry, season ten. Well, the rarely <laughs> seen season ten. Sorry, season five, episode ten, and the episode is titled Rapture. 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 Now, uh, if you're playing along at home uh, and you want to play along with us, you can pause the podcast and just see what you can remember, see what you can write down. Maybe you know the story. Maybe you know a special character. Um, But yeah, and um, we're going to put a minute on the clock for Andrew, and um, let's see what he's got. Are you ready? Um, just give me two seconds. He's collecting his thoughts. Yeah, I actually do remember this one a little bit. We'll let him in. 
Let's see what you got. So, okay, I, I think I got this. I get one minute. That's the other thing. So if you're playing along at home, try to do it in a minute because it actually mm. is. It it's is tough. actually pretty tough. So. It's tough. Um, okay, let's let's do it. All right, one minute starting now. Okay, this one is an important one because Bajor is on the cusp of joining the Federation. Remember the whole reason why Cisco went to Deep Space Nine in the first place? So they're about to sign the papers, they're getting ready to do it, and uh, Cisco starts having these visions. And the visions are all leading him towards that it's a bad idea for him to do this. So he keeps kind of like phasing out, looking off into the distance. And in all of the visions, some sort of... Um, I think it's like buzzards or flies are going to, uh, you know, be attacking Bajor and he decides that Bajor needs to stand alone if it's going to survive whatever is coming, the Dominion War. Um, and uh, he ends up actually stepping in as the emissary and kiboshing them joining the Federation because he feels or he has foreseen that um, it will end in disaster for Bajor if they join and so they don't. All right, that's one minute. Uh, that's a pretty good sum up of the episode. I think you pretty much nailed that one. Yes, I needed <laughs> it. Except for this will be like when we look at it, we go to watch it. And it's like, actually, this is the one where uh, O'Brien uh, raptures his uh, Achilles and he uh, <laughs> ruptures. Oh, it was ruptures, not raptures. Uh, no, I think I remember that one. It's, it's actually a pretty, a pretty good episode, if I remember correctly. So um well and as you said it's a very important episode because you know it's basically cisco seeing the end of his mission and then he at the you know in the 11th hour he puts an end to it you know he decided, yeah he just completely as you say kiboshed it yeah okay so that's it i suppose uh let's go off and check it out because that was a good one from our season five Space nine Yep, that is, that is it for uh, this podcast. Uh, we thank you for joining us this week on Random Trek Review, and we hope you will join us next time on RTR as we look at Deep Space Nine episode Rapture. Rapture. Thank you.